everyone, welcome to the second episode of Let's Talk Trends. I'm Dawn, Content and Communications Lead of Lion Global Investors. Thank you so much for being with us here today. In this series, I will be chatting with investment professionals and industry experts to discuss market insights and trending topics in a casual and lighthearted manner. This podcast also aims to provide investing tips and actionable ideas for beginners looking to dip their toes into the world of finance. In our second episode, I am delighted to be joined by our Singapore fund manager, Kenneth Ong, to discuss the Singapore market outlook for 2022. Welcome to this episode, Kenneth. Thanks, Don. It's great to be here. Well, just a little backstory. Kenneth and I had worked very closely last year delivering a whole bunch of public webinars on the Singapore market outlook to retail investors via our partners such as Poems and Dollar Dex. All of these webinars have been well received with excellent feedback from our clients. So today we are going to bring the best snippets from these webinars to our listeners here. We will be discussing the broader macro trends such as inflation, the HO value versus growth debate, and of course, a couple of key themes on why we are positive on the Singapore equity market in 2022. So Kenneth, to kick things off, please give me an elevator pitch on what makes our Singapore Dividend Equity Fund and Singapore Trust Fund different from other Singapore funds out there. Well, Singapore is like a small boat riding in a big ocean that is the global financial economy. I like to identify global macro trends and observe how they drive the Singapore market. For instance, the prevailing mood is that the Singapore market is mature and low growth. But I believe that major shifts in the global macro economy can deliver performance for the Singapore market and surprise many market observers. Well, speaking of macro top-down, uh, there have been increasing concerns over an oncoming inflationary storm. Since October last year, we saw headline inflation in Singapore started creeping up as the economy reopened, uh, most evident in rising services costs. Also, commodity prices increased, driving up utility and food prices. And on top of that, private transport costs was also up. Just earlier today, um, I saw a piece out on the Straits Times that in view of global inflationary pressures, Market economists are now suggesting that Singapore may delay our GSD hike to give the economy more time to adjust to the cost pressures. So how do we feel about that and how does it affect the Singapore market? Well, if we look further back over the past 30 years, we can observe that the Singapore equities tend to outperform global equities during periods of global inflation and underperform global equities during periods of disinflation or deflation. For instance, the export-driven Asian miracle growth of the 1990s was an inflationary period that saw Singapore equities outperform global equities. Similarly, Singapore equities also outperformed after China's entry into the World Trade Organization, the WTO, that led to the commodities and real estate boom, which was inflationary in the late 2000s. Now, the periods when Singapore equities underperformed were the Asian financial crisis and dot-com bubble, which were deflationary, as well as the disinflationary period over the past 10 years from 2009 to the present, which was characterized by central bank quantitative easing, or QE. 
Now, why would Singapore equities outperform during inflationary periods? Essentially, we are a key component of the global supply and commodities chain. When global demand increases, demand for commodities and our manufacturing supply chain increases, and this drives our market performance. Now, inflation naturally manifests from rising commodity prices and supply chain constraints. This is why, when there is stronger global demand, the Singapore market benefits and moves in the same direction as inflation. Okay, so basically, bottom line is that an inflationary environment will benefit the Singapore market because we, as an open economy, are a key component of the global supply and commodities chain. So now we have very strong global demand, putting us in a very good spot. Okay, so now let's quickly move on to discuss the perennial debate of value versus growth. Recently, we have seen value outperforming, then stuttering. So how do we feel about this? Absolutely. So another way of observing the impact of quantitative easing, or QE, is the performance of value stocks versus growth stocks. Now, in an inflationary environment, real economy stocks outperform. QE was marked by disinflation, and the low interest rate environment favoured growth stocks, such as the new economy stocks. We are seeing early signs that the value underperformance is starting to bottom, driven by the shift towards global government stimulus and infrastructure spending. The thing is, regime change takes time. So looking at history, it took more than three years for QE to finally reflate the global economy when QE3 started. So from 2009 to 2012, the global economy flip-flopped from inflation to deflation as the global macroeconomy slowly embraced QE as a permanent macroeconomic condition. Therefore, the global rotation to value is a critical driver of the outlook for the Singapore market. If the global monetary regime shifts towards sustained government stimulus, we could transition into a new decade where value outperforms growth. The Singapore equities market can ride on this global macro tailwind. Well, these are all great points. So I hear from you that global rotation to value is crucial to drive the Singapore equities market. Exactly one year ago, in your January 2021 Singapore market outlook, you were convinced that the Singapore equity market could possibly be at a once-in-a-decade positive inflection point. Fast forward to today, in your January 2022 outlook, you are even more convinced that this continues to be the case. So please, can you run us through the key reason behind your steadfast conviction? Yeah, I think first of all, we're looking at a long-term view here. And I think this thesis is still intact and probably even more convincing now. When we look at the relative performance of the Singapore equity market to global equities over the past 30 years, while Singapore equities have underperformed global equities for the past 10 years, we are now at a low level not seen since the Asian financial crisis. We could see a bottoming of this underperformance since corporate balance sheets in Singapore are in far better shape now than in 1998. Indeed, Singapore equities have the potential to begin to outperform global equities over the next decade. We've discussed the top-down driver, namely the shift from a QE regime to one of sustained global stimulus in infrastructure funded by money printed from QE. From a bottom-up perspective, we believe that there are few other megatrends that can enable Singapore equities to outperform global equities in the decade ahead. We will elaborate on one of this. How the cycle of technological diffusion 
can benefit companies in Singapore, especially those companies that we label as blue chips opportunities. Okay, now this is getting super interesting. Um, I have picked up two key phrases from you, which is tech diffusion and blue chips. So I assume blue chip is a play on the word blue chip. Yeah, they basically sound about the same. Uh, the first cheap refers to inexpensive and the second blue chip refers to the big market cap companies, the well-established ones. Okay, so let's unpack the first term first, tech diffusion. Walk us through this thought. Sure, let's start with technological diffusion. So over the past 10 years, technology companies such as Google, Amazon, Tencent and Tesla have benefited from developments in computing, big data and artificial intelligence. Whilst the convergence and maturation of technology streams have played a key role in enabling these companies to generate outsized returns, the macroeconomic backdrop has also played an important role in supporting the growth of these companies. The decade of QE since 2009 has lowered interest rates, enabling technology firms to access cheap sources of capital and even government subsidies in the case of electric vehicle sector. By spending aggressively on customer acquisition, they are able to drive consumers to adopt these new technologies. Okay, this sounds kind of technical. So for the benefit of our listeners, can you perhaps give us an example so that we can better relate to this concept? Sure. The cycle of technological adoption typically begins with consumer adoption. When money is cheap under QE, technology companies can use that money to buy demand through customer acquisition and drive consumer behavior to adopt these new technologies. For example, many e-commerce companies start out by offering free shipping. Once the consumers become familiar with the technology, the technology diffuses into the business and industrial work environment. Another useful analogy would be to observe the phases of development in Microsoft. Now, Microsoft's share price grew strongly in the late 1990s as its personal computing products were used mainly by consumers. This was its business-to-consumer phase or B2C phase. As businesses began to adopt Microsoft Office applications throughout the 2000s, we can see that Microsoft's share price stagnated throughout the decade. Well, what was happening here? Whilst Microsoft was still growing profitably, other businesses benefited more from deploying Microsoft Office to improve their own productivity. So essentially, what Microsoft was creating value, this value was captured by the rest of the business and industrial community. This was its business-to-business -business or B2B phase. So since 2016, Microsoft has benefited from cloud computing, AI, and its associated technologies. As these businesses begin to adopt new technology, we could again envisage this transfer and capture of value to business and industrial companies looking ahead. This is why we see a strong potential for companies in Singapore, many of them who specialize in business-to-business -business or B2B, and industrial applications to benefit from this transfer of value capture. Thanks very much, Kenneth, for this example. I think it's very relatable. Microsoft uh, is a name that's familiar to many of us. I think we can all better understand this concept now. Okay, I'm going to push the envelope a little bit more and ask if you see any evidence of tech diffusion today. One of the interesting things we observe most recently is the company Accenture. Now, Accenture is the leading IT systems integrator for business enterprises. Essentially, they help companies upgrade and transform their technology systems. In September last year, we noticed that the stock performance of Accenture did something it had not done for the past 20 years. 
it started to outperform beyond its typical trading range to the S&P 500 index, the US equity market index. This significant move was corroborated by Accenture's outlook commentary that business enterprises are on the cusp of a multi-year journey to transform into cloud-enabled and data-enabled companies. So according to Accenture, this transition is marked by two waves. The first is the continued digital transition of business enterprises into the cloud, where a majority have still yet to do so. The second wave would be for companies already on the cloud to gain competitive advantages with their data through the use of artificial intelligence and associated technologies. What does Accenture tell us then? It is pointing out that we could be seeing the early innings of a multi-year inflection point where the big data and artificial intelligence technologies popularized by the consumer companies are now diffusing into the business enterprise space. In other words, technology diffuses from consumer-focused companies to business-to-business -business companies. Now, interestingly, many companies in Singapore are by nature business-to-business -business companies because they are plugged into the global supply chain. This is why I think the potential for companies in Singapore to unlock productivity by transforming their business models into digitally native operations is very promising. Well, thanks so much. This is very interesting, right? We are hearing unlocking of productivity, transformation of business models, and of course, the key buzzwords like AI and big data technologies. Okay, so let's move on now to unpack the second term, blue chips. Well, I love the wordplay here, by the way. Your view here is that blue chips stand to benefit from this tech diffusion. Please walk us through this. Yes, certainly the potential is there. During the pandemic, many blue chip companies in Singapore had experienced significant declines in their share prices. We believe that the former blue chip companies have now become attractively cheap, hence the term blue chips. Some have undergone a process of corporate restructuring to reposition for growth over the next decade, which marks a bottom for the fortunes of these companies. We believe that a combination of restructuring and cyclical recovery for these blue chips companies can be one of the key drivers of the Singapore market. So blue chips also stand to benefit from the previously mentioned cycle of technological diffusion. For example, ST Engineering, a well-known company in Singapore, can employ data analytics, cloud-managed solutions, and satellite technology for smart city development opportunities. Another example, in the area of urban logistics, SingPost is currently trialing smart letterboxes that can transform the efficiency of parcel delivery and improve the customer experience in a significant way. And if you look at our banking space, our traditional banks are also exploring ways to migrate their core technology stack onto the cloud so as to offer seamless 24 by 7 banking. Now, adopting artificial intelligence could also be a potential growth area for these blue chips. In August 2021, Tomasing announced the acquisition of the artificial intelligence startup Basis AI to create and scale AI solutions and develop a global center of excellence in AI. Basis AI has deployed end-to-end -end machine learning solutions for organizations including ComfortDelGro, Singapore Airlines, and all three Singapore local banks. I think this piece of news that was both significant and yet underappreciated because of the transformational potential it could have on these blue chip companies. Some of these blue chip companies have global industrial or consumer data sets. The potential is for these companies to apply artificial intelligence to unlock their proprietary data and enable them to improve productivity and create new use cases to drive value over the next decade. For example, we have soft commodity companies that could improve their operations using data analytics for weather and crop productivity. Our renewable companies could use AI systems to optimize the positioning of windmills 
so as to optimize the amount of wind energy captured. Our manufacturing plants can also run robots 24 by 7 on the shop floor. More importantly, feedback important live production information directly to the client as a smart factory so that the client can make real-time adjustments to order inventories. The point is, with data analytics, the potential to improve productivity can not only drive performance of our companies, but significantly drive a broad base of companies, including the small and medium enterprises. In a growth-driven environment, only a few consumer companies become winners. That is why the big companies keep getting bigger. When businesses adopt AI, the opposite happens. The broad base of value stocks stand to benefit because the productivity uplift is across the board. So for these reasons, I believe that Singapore will benefit as it is well positioned to integrate new economy technology into real economy applications. The shift in this global macroeconomic backdrop will be an important driver for the potential outperformance of the Singapore market relative to global equities over the next decade. Indeed, these big companies that you have mentioned, like Singpost and Estive Engineering, names that are familiar to most of our listeners here, are transforming and future-proofing their businesses to adapt to the world today, some of which are trading at attractive valuations. And of course, your second point on AI, given the huge amount of investment that's currently going into the space, is paramount for us to leap into the next frontier of investing. Well, thanks so much, Kenneth. I think all of our listeners here now have a much better idea on the concept of tech diffusion and how our blue chips names can benefit. Indeed, this wordplay on blue chips will stick an investor's mind for some time to come. So here we are at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much to everyone for dialing in and to Kenneth for joining us here today and sharing his views. Catch you guys next week. For the disclaimer, you should read the prospectus available at www.lionglobalinvestors.com before deciding whether to invest in the funds. The value of the units in the funds and any accruing income may fall or rise. This advertisement has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. <music>